It's time for the Contempo Coding Podcast. Discussions, knowledge, and insight to help you succeed in the medical coding industry. And now, here's your host, Victoria. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to episode 17 of the podcast. It's great to be back. I've noticed some others in the niche have been working on their season two of their podcast. And I don't think I'm going to go so much for seasons as I am just episodes. I feel like if, if there's a season, like I would almost have to have some sort of story arc and then we're restarting again with a new cast or new theme or new twist to the plot going on. So I think I'm just going to continue on in the episode per episode series until I hit, you know, like episode 300, 400, 500 and just can keep on continuing from there. Last time I talked to you guys, I was just getting ready for my CRC prep boot camp. That went super, super well. I think the timing of it was really good. I think the length of it was really good. I solicited feedback and lots of good feedback about the presentation, that it was interactive, that it was fun, that I gave lots of good toolkit resources. And uh, of course, things like including the ebook and demonstrating how to utilize the ebook appropriately through the desktop as well as through your Amazon Kindle. If you're interested in uh, training for the CRC, I still have CRC on demand. I do have now audit added on that you can purchase the ebook version of the study guide for an additional $60. It'll prompt you at the end. So if you're interested in that and getting the ebook, I mean, that's really, you know, that's like perfect to get you started. Um, and the, the training is really fantastic. And I include a lot of good tools, a lot of good resources. I also will be having another boot camp at the beginning of March. And I will hopefully soon be releasing as soon as I get uh, CEU approval, I think is what's holding me up right now for um, a CRC review. So that's something that I don't think there is a, a lot of availability for. Uh, It's not something local chapters are doing. It's not something you typically buy from the AAPC. Actually, I don't believe they have one offered. So that's just a three-hour condensed course for people who are about to take their CRC exam and would like something for a refresher or maybe your self-study people that they just want a a quick, uh, you know, something that they can have to hear some of the important things and test strategies reiterated to them so that they know that they're can be more confident going into the exam. Business has been going pretty well. January was actually my best month that I've had so far uh, because I've been able to dedicate a lot of time to that. I'm really excited about some of the collaborations I have coming up. I have a healthcare organization that's going to be sponsoring one of my upcoming videos. So look forward to that. And I also have a nursing organization that has reached out to me to work with them on some video demonstrations and things as well, because they have such a high population of nurses right now that due to the pandemic are looking to get out of a clinical role and into more of a administrative role. They're looking into medical coding and they are bringing me on to talk to their nurse population about medical coding. So that's something I'm super looking forward to. They have a much larger audience than I do. So there is the opportunity then to bring some of their uh, viewers and their followers into my realm. 
I've been working a lot, probably more than I, I have in a while. And the, the great thing though, is that I'm really like, I love my work. I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. There has been a certain amount of anxiety that comes with that. And I think I was watching a video recently that was done by a popular gamer, Harris Heller, and he runs a channel called Alpha Gaming, which is funny because my friend Tony Elholmes is Alpha Coding. So Alpha Gaming is this channel. And he was talking about just the pressures of being a content creator that you're always having to uh, invent, always having to innovate. And there's just that continuous feeling that, you know, what comes with a content creator is the audience. And as much as you love your audience and interact with them, it's something that happens constantly. You know, you're getting DMs, whether you're out shopping for clothes with your kid, whether you're sick, whether you're just trying to get to sleep at night. Uh, I've had to personally kind of draw back a little bit from social media for not so much that, but also because um, my mindset has been a little, I don't want to say down lately, but there's just some things I'm seeing on social media that I can see are kind of upsetting me. So I've taken more of a practice. And I think I mentioned this previously where I'm kind of just posting, following up a little bit as needed, but generally trying to kind of keep my phone out of reach. It's also just been a rough couple of days. I've been dealing with some sinus headaches. I woke up today with vertigo and it was just kind of a rough day too, because Personally, um, there's just been some things that have come to light where good things are happening to people that are not good. And it, it, I'm trying to, to weigh, not weigh on it too much, but it is uh, something that required me to just kind of have to call up my best friend and, and vent for a little while in order to get it all out. But now I'm feeling better mentally and physically and all that good stuff. And I spent a good chunk of today working on a special project for my soon to be 15,000 subscriber celebration. Uh, I'm just as I'm recording this just a couple hundred away, I'm gaining actually about six, 600 subscribers a week right now. Uh, doing really well in that aspect. It's eking up again, which I was not anticipating. I was kind of anticipating a slowdown, but I'm seeing a lot of shares from colleges and a lot of organic, which means that people are searching for the things that I'm providing video content on, which is great. But um, as part of my 15,000 subscriber celebration, I wanted to do a giveaway. And I thought, you know, it's really not fair that I only give away a prize to one or two people. I really should give something back to my entire audience. So I put together a free CEU webinar that's going to be on demand. And I'll be releasing that shortly when I hit my 15,000 subscribers. Um, so if anyone is uh, in a group that is able to share that, I would certainly appreciate that. I know certain groups have certain rules about posting things, not posting things, but I always appreciate uh, any kind of positive commentary where it can be posted, where it's permitted I've actually been really, really shocked at some of the comments and name dropping that I'm seeing on social media lately. Um, people that I don't believe think that I am on certain Facebook groups or, or social media places and uh, are not aware that I'm actually seeing their posts. So it's super, super flattering when I kind of stumble upon them. 
In any case, I decided that I want to start moving towards discussing more actual coding in the podcast, at least more frequently than I have been in my first 16 episodes. I got a question recently that came through from an acquaintance and it was in regards to advanced care planning and billing and evaluation and management service at the same time as advanced care planning. And I thought, well, you know, I've done some stuff in the past with advanced care planning. I can kind of pull up some of my notes and discuss some of the uh, factors and considerations in regards to advanced care planning. So advanced care planning, and I'm going to speak primarily to a lot of the Medicare policies, because that's really what I like to focus on, uh, is federally with Medicare, with CMS, what are they saying? And one of the things you need to understand about advanced care planning and billing for advanced care planning is that it is a voluntary service, which I'll talk about more, but voluntary advanced care planning is a face-to-face encounter between a Medicare patient and a physician or other qualified healthcare professional. And it's not just to scan in their um, advanced directives, it's really to have that discussion about their wishes if at their end of life, if they're unable to make decisions about their care. So as part of that discussion, the provider might talk about their advanced directives, they might complete some of those legal forms, but it really is not just the completion of the forms and scanning it. It really is a requirement to have those uh, discussions. Not all providers feel comfortable having those discussions. They might have someone in the office that they have designated that is better at having that than maybe the physician. Some physicians do feel uncomfortable or not necessarily that they don't want to do it, but they feel ill-equipped to have those conversations that they might be better suited to someone who's had more training specifically for this type of scenario. Advanced care planning can be performed by physicians, by a team of physicians, advanced practitioners, and other staff under the medical management of the treating physician. And if we are looking at billing this as an incident to service, that the incident to regulations do apply. And when we are billing for services that are furnished incident to, to the billing physician or the practitioner, it, we still have to follow our state laws, our scope of practice, all the requirements still have to be met. And there still has to be a minimum of direct supervision in addition to the other incident to regulations. There is actually no place of service limitations, though, on advanced care planning. So if the patient is an inpatient and it's billed by the hospitalist or billed by the um, palliative care services, it can be done inpatient. It can be done outpatient, too. It can be a discussion between the PCP and the patient. So it's not limited to any place of service, and it's also not limited to any particular physician's specialty. Now, the codes themselves for advanced care planning, we have two codes, and they are both time-based. We have 99497 and an add-on code of 99498. 99497 is described as advanced care planning, including the explanation and discussion of advanced directives such as standard forms with completion of such forms when performed by the physician or other qualified healthcare professional for the first 30 minutes face-to-face with the patient, family members, and or surrogates. And then the 99498 is for each additional 30 minutes. And those are really for not for the planning, the discussion, not just that collection of the advanced directive and scanning it into the EMR. 
Now, because these are time-based codes, CMS states that we have to use the CPT definitions for time requirements. So per CPT, a unit of time is attained when the midpoint has passed. For example, an hour is attained when 31 minutes have elapsed, which means it's more than half, more than halfway of that midpoint. The midpoint would be 30 minutes, and we've gone one more than that, so we're at 31. So for advanced care planning, that minimum time for the 99497 is 30 minutes, which means we have to pass the halfway threshold. So 16 minutes of advanced care planning time has to be documented in order to bill the service. Now, because advanced care planning is also voluntary, we have to have documentation that the Medicare beneficiary should have been given a clear opportunity to decline or indicate that they understood that the service was voluntary, that it was not a mandatory service, and the opportunity to decline was presented to the patient. Advanced care planning can also be done as part of an annual wellness visit. Now, this does make for kind of a long visit for the patient because annual wellnesses can be kind of a long visit as they stand alone because of just the uh, questions that have to be asked, the, you know, things like the get up and go, checking your patient's visual acuity, um, the cognitive assessment, and all of those components of the AWV. Plus, then you have to add on at least an additional 16 minutes, right, of advanced care planning. So it does make for a long visit. But, you know, if you're dealing with an elderly patient who you don't want to keep bringing back, it might be the appropriate time to have that conversation while they're already in, you're talking about all their chronic conditions, how to manage that and go, hey, you know, what is your plans? What would you, would you like to have some conversations regarding your end of life planning? The nice thing about doing it as part of an annual wellness visit is that then Medicare actually waives the coinsurance and the Medicare Part B deductible for advanced care planning when you have it done as part of the uh, uh, annual wellness visit. So it has to be provided on the same day as a covered annual wellness visit. It has to be furnished by the same provider as the annual wellness visit, and then you bill it with modifier 33. Now, if the annual wellness visit is denied because maybe they did it too soon, it exceeded that once per year limit of an annual wellness visit, uh, Medicare can still make the payment for the uh, advanced care planning. But in that case, CMS applies the deductible and applies the coinsurance to that advanced care planning service. So it's really very crucial to make sure that if you're doing that, that the patient is having their their annual wellness visit at the correct time. Another nuance is when we talk about time-based. So going back to our time-based, the advanced care planning codes are time-based. So what if we're billing an E&M that's also time-based on the same day? Well, you can do that, but we have to be very careful about the way that the time is documented. So the provider can't say, oh, I spent a total of 80 minutes with the patient uh, reviewing test results, counseling and coordinating care, and providing advanced care services. Because we don't know, was the advanced care planning five minutes of that time? Was it 20 minutes of that time? You know, there's no designation to meet the threshold of time. So in order to do that, we have to have defin definitive times for each component. So I spent 40 minutes in discussion with the patient of their newly diagnosed lymphoma. We went over care plans. I reviewed records, blah, 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 blah. 
And then I spent an additional 16 minutes in voluntary advanced care planning discussions, including advanced directives and end of life care planning. So in that case, we can see there are two distinct separate amounts of time. Now, ideally, two notes would be great. But in absence of that, just having here's our bucket of time that was the E&M, here's our totally separate bucket of time that was the advanced care planning. If the advanced care planning only was five minutes or six minutes, then that would just get added into the normal time for the evaluation and management service reimbursement. We wouldn't be able to bill separately for ACP because we haven't met that more than 50% threshold, that more than halfway for our time-based code. One last thought about the ACPs is there's also no real limit on the number of times you can report advanced care planning. So for example, you know, you could have it done one day in the hospital and maybe five days later, there's a change in the patient status and you may have some changes to their end of life care planning based off of that. It could be billed again. Now, this doesn't mean we can every single day in the hospital bill it. It doesn't mean that we can just discuss the advanced directives every time we see the patient in the office and bill it out because we have to meet those prior criteria. But Medicare says that they're not going to limit it, but they would anticipate seeing some sort of documented change in the patient's status or changes in their wishes regarding their end of life care. So maybe the patient was uh, having a poor prognosis and then something turned around and things looked a lot better and they changed their mind about their end of life wishes. So in that case, we, we would be supporting that medical necessity to bill advanced care planning again. So key takeaways about advanced care planning, it's not just filling in and completing those advanced directive forms. It really is having that end of life care discussion. It can be performed at any place of service. We use codes 99497, which needs to hit a time threshold of at least 16 minutes. We can add on code 99498 for each additional 30 minutes. It is a voluntary service, which means that Medicare beneficiaries should be given the opportunity to decline, and we need to document that they were given the opportunity to decline or understood that it was a voluntary service. It's great to pair up with your annual wellness visit because there is a financial benefit to your patients in regards to that. You can bill it with that modifier 33, and it will waive their coinsurance and their Medicare Part B deductible. Be cautious when you're doing time-based codes or time-based E&Ms with advanced care planning because we need to have two distinctions of what time was designated to which services. And while there is no frequency limitation, we would anticipate seeing that there is some sort of change that happened to that patient's health status or their end-of-life care wishes in order to support the medical necessity for advanced care planning billing. I hope that helped clarify some of the nuances of advanced care planning services and billing for those services, particularly when they're done at the same time as an evaluation and management service. Don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes, head over to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you can get alerts when I post new episodes. And be on the lookout for that new on-demand webinar that I'll be doing. It is about modifiers in the medical office. It will be providing one free AAPC CEU. I'm really excited about the way that it turned out. I think it's going to be an exciting and very popular uh, webinar. I will talk to you guys in the next episode. And until then, just keep on coding on.